so quiet. Can I get an amen? amen. Or an old man? <laughs> you fit in one of those two categories, amen or oh man, what is this guy doing, praise God. I came here to do some work for the kingdom of God, amen? amen. I did not let the Lord uproot my family from California and bring me to lost wages so that I could just sit around and do nothing for the kingdom of God. I came here to be busy doing my father's business, amen? And whatever that looks like, I sign on, yes, Lord. Whatever that means in my life, whatever that means for our church family, whatever that means, God, I, for one, say yes. Can I get an amen now? That's a little better. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read a story to you, and if you haven't seen the title of today's sermon, it's going to make sense in a few moments to you. The Salvation of a Naked Rock Star. Boy, I hope you guys, your coffee starts kicking in here in a minute. Although I'm just going to preach to Dean right there, brother. See, like, the nice thing about this pulpit is it turns. I can preach to anybody I choose, right? Praise God. Mark chapter 5. It's, uh, they're using it with the students next door. We're going to read 20 verses. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadareans. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with rocks, stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. He cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out to the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea. And drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled. And they told in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was, what it was that had happened. And when they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in, the right mi- in his right mind, they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it had happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might come with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word that changes lives, that has the power to cut through 
callous and hardened hearts. It has the power to remove demons, remove strongholds, and even cause the winds and the waves to be still. God, I ask today that you would speak the word of God through your servant this morning. Help me, Lord, to deliver this message as it's stirring in my heart from your Holy Spirit today. Let the ears of the receiver be open today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we shut the back door? It's bright and it's kind of, it's kind of blinding on me. Thank you. I got the air on, so if you're warm, it's, it's blowing. No, that's okay right there. There's a story about, it's, this is a true story. The phone rang one morning in a wealthy Boston home. And on the other end of the line was a son who had just returned state fi- stateside from, from the war. His parents were the high society type, you know, the country club, bridge playing, got everything they need and want types that were a little uppity. Not that if you have money, you're uppity, but some that do are. Let me just quantify that. The young soldier said to his mom, I just called to tell you that I'm coming home and I wanted to bring a buddy with me. His mom answered, sure, bring him home for a few days. But mom, there's something you need to know about him. He's missing a leg, he's missing an arm, he's missing an eye, and his face is disfigured from burns from artillery fire of the war. Is it still okay if I bring him home? His mom said, sure, he can come for a few days. The son said, mom, you don't understand. I want him to come home and to live with us. She began to make all kinds of excuses, how embarrassing it might be for the family, what her friends would think, and without a word, her son hung up. The next morning, the police called, and now the other end of the line, I don't know why I'm emotional about this. I read the story about 16 times already. (laughs) The mother answered the phone, and the officer said, ma'am, we just found a young soldier with severe war injuries who was a victim of apparent suicide. And his ID badge says, he's your son. You know, there are, help me, Lord. I didn't expect that. There's a lot of hurting people in the world. Searching for love and acceptance only to be rejected by the very people who are supposed to love them. Whether they're victims of bad choices or bad luck, a person's greatest desire is to be loved and accepted. Sadly, family does not always understand. What's even more sad to me is many times... Those of us in the church pass judgment before we even know the whole story. People feel alone and they have nowhere to turn like this. He's called the demoniac in the scriptures. What a terrible term to call anybody. Here we find a man with a troubled past and he's haunted by thousands of demons of his own. Now living with the only people who can put up with him. The dead. The Bible says he was living in the tombs. 
just prior to the story, and I already talked about this during worship in Mark chapter 4, after days of teaching, preaching, and healing, and doing miracles, Jesus urged the disciples to get into the boat to go to the other side. You know the story, right? The storm was boisterous, and it scared the bejeebers out of the disciples, and they woke up Jesus, and we just talked about this. And, and Jesus, with authority, he, 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 with one command, he stood up and said, Be still. And it calmed the winds, and it calmed the sea. You see, my belief is Jesus had a, had a purpose for sailing at that time. And nothing was going to distract him from his mission. He had an appointment with a man who had a thousand storms raging in his own heart. And he needed a savior. The only one who could calm the storm. The Bible says that this guy was the terror of the city. That he was the <laughs> outcast, if you will. He was angry. He was a wild man who ran around naked in the tombs, cutting himself with rocks. Hence the title of my sermon today. But Jesus saw the wreckage of this guy, passed the wreckage of this guy's past into a soul that was crying out for help. If you look at verse 5 again, it says that he was crying out night and day. And the very heart of God heard this man's cry and set on mission to go make a difference. I wonder how many broken hearts are in our city. I wonder how many are crying out right now with the same passion that this man was crying out for help. Maybe you're one of them. I don't know your circumstances. Not all of you. I don't know what causes your pain in your life. But God does. God does. And he hears the cries of the hurting and broken people. There's three things that I want to talk to you about that I see that we learn about the Lord in this, in this portion of text today. And it's in your bulletins, on the back of your bulletin. And number one, Jesus, he loves us individually. He loves us individually. Each one of us were uniquely created and made in his image. If you've ever doubted God's love for you, this story should be giving you a little bit of hope right now in your spirit. This was not a chance encounter. This was not something that happened by circumstances or by mistake. It, Jesus was focused to get to the other side of the lake for this one particular man. Psalm 139 verse 1 says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. God knows you. He knows your pain. He knows your cries. He knows the things that, that trouble you. He knows the things that, that shackle you. He knows the chains that bind you. He knows. And he cares enough to do something about it. 
There's three types of people in this story that I want to talk to you about. Number one, the disciples, the people, the, the disciples, the, the people that were following Jesus. This group of people were men who believed the gospel, and they left everything to follow him. But the Bible says that they had no power. They really didn't know anything about helping people in need. Matter of fact, if you look further in Mark's gospel, in chapter 9, they're trying to cast out demons, and they can't do it. And they say, Jesus, why can't I cast out a demon? He says, oh, you of little faith, how long shall I suffer with you? This kind only come out by much prayer and fasting. So we have the disciples who, who, who this, you know, what this tells me about, about ministry is that sometimes it's messy. Those of you signing up for a minute, I want to be a pastor, I want to be a leader. Let me tell you, let me just tell you that sometimes ministry is messy. It's not all just fun and games. It's not all happy time. It's all not just fluffy up and to the right. Sometimes we have to get dirty to help people who are in need. What about the demoniac? Or let's call him the man. Don't change that. Change that, demoniac. Go ahead and put it up there. But scratch that out. Put man in your handout because I don't want to label this guy. He was a man. Matter of fact, the scriptures refer to him as a man. Possessed by 2,000 demons. I'm pretty sure... The disciples were a little nervous about this guy. He was screaming. He was all cut up and scarred. He, he seemed more animal than he did human. This reminds me of what unconfessed sin looks like in the life of an individual. Scars on our heart, shackles on our person, on our spirit, on our hope. Chains wrapped around our peace and our joy. The third group of people are the villagers, the people who lived there. These are the people who dealt with this guy for years. They were his friends. They knew his parents. They probably prayed bridge together. Paid bridge together, yeah. But they chose to shut him out. And it's what many of us do. We turn, oh, we'll use scripture. We turn the other cheek when we don't seem to know how to help somebody. I'm guilty. Pull up to the, to the stop sign at the every exit of the interchange in Las Vegas. And who's going to be standing there? A homeless person. I haven't found one exit yet without one. If they're telling the truth, that's not my call. Do I make eye contact every time? I'm ashamed to tell you that sometimes I pretend like they're not there. Oh, what's in my glove box over here that I need to look at till the light turns green? I'm sorry. I'm the only guy, huh? Throw rocks at me. I don't do that every time, but there are times when I don't want to deal with it. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't feel that way about you and me? About our struggles, about our problems? He always feels like it. He always feels like it. 
when the villagers walked up and they saw this man who had been possessed, clothed in his right mind, rather than giving thanks, they said, Jesus, you need to go now. Get back on your boat and go back to the other side where you came from. They showed no heart for, for this man or the things of God. And there are people like that. These kind of people still exist today. Disciples, people interested in the things of God, but not equipped to do anything about it. Or the, or the demoniac, the man, broken people at the end of the rope, desperately needing a touch from God. That is all over our city. And if we don't have a heart for it, then we're heartless. How else I'm preaching hard today? Then the villagers, these are cold-hearted people who don't want their lives interrupted by God. I'll go to church on Sunday, but other than that, leave me alone, Jesus. Because what I do Monday through Saturday is between me and me. But in walks Jesus, and he turns their world upside down. Isn't it just like Jesus to see beyond the rough exterior of something right into the heart of the matter? Isn't that what he did for you? I know he did that for me. I so much identify with this story. I wasn't in the rocks cutting myself running around naked. Thank you, Jesus. But spiritually I was. I was naked and afraid and alone and rejected. Rightfully so. Jesus sought me out. I did not find Jesus. You did not find Jesus. Don't tell me you found, I found Jesus. You didn't find nothing. Jesus found you. Amen. Amen. Jesus found you. Because unless the Spirit of God draws you, you cannot come to repentance. Unless the Spirit of God is pulling on your heart right now, you can't have repentance. Can I tell you that that same Jesus is here right now today in this room, in churches all across this valley, in churches all across this planet? Jesus is there ministering, seeking in cities, all, cities worse than Las Vegas. There's many cities worse than Las Vegas, family. Las Vegas is a great city. Yeah, there's a lot of crime right now, brother. I agree with you. We need to be praying about that. But Jesus... But he's not here for those who think they have it all together. He's here looking for you. No matter what you've done in the past, no matter where you've been, no matter how many people you've hurt, no matter how much you've hurt yourself. But he's not here to accuse you. He's here to forgive you. Mark chapter 2 says this in verse 17, Then Jesus heard it and he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. How many sinners are in the house of God today? Hallelujah. Praise God. How many of you were sinning before Jesus found you? Brings me to number two. He saves ruined lives. He saves ruin. There is nobody too far gone for Jesus. As soon as Jesus walked up to this demon-possessed man, what happened? Immediately the demons recognized him. 
It said the man ran and worshipped him. And then they said, son of God, <laughs> whoa, hey, easy big guy. And rather than attacking the Savior, they were forced. They were forced to bow before him. <laughs> every knee will bow. And every time, you know, listen, there is great power in the demonic realm. There really is. But when confronted face to face with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, they will bow. They will bow. I love what Mike said a couple weeks ago when he was preaching. He was just waiting for the doctors to give their son's diagnosis a name because every name bows a knee to Jesus. When the, when the villagers walked up on the scene, they saw everything that had been troubling that man washed up on the beach dead. Do you know that when Jesus touches your life, all of it dies? You don't have to carry. The only reason you have to carry it is because you choose to pick it back up. Just like this, this man who was possessed by 2,000 demons, the villagers walk up and all the swine and all the trouble and all the chaos and all the torment that this man suffered was lying on the beach dead. Can I tell you that he will crucify your sins? He took your sins to the cross with him so that you don't have to bear them anymore. Listen, there's no demon, there's no past sin, there's no darkness that's too great for the Lord to overcome. Your wreckage is, not, is in your past. It's not your future. It's the wreck. That's why they call it the wreckage of your past. You haven't had a chance to mess up your future yet. Careful, though. The word yet means you're eligible, too. Now we see this formerly uncontrollable, raving lunatic sitting in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. I mean, there's power in that right now. There's power in that testimony. He had a new desire to be with Jesus. He had a new desire to go where Jesus was going. Listen, when you have an encounter with... When you have a real encounter with Jesus Christ, your life will never be the same again. You will never look at things the same way again. Your, your perspective changes. If you give your life to Jesus and nothing changes, and you still cuss like a sailor, and you still smoke dope, and you still put needles in your mouth, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think you gave your life to Jesus. Because things change. Fruit gets on the vine when you give your heart to Jesus. When you sincerely Give your heart to Jesus. Things change. It changed for you, didn't it? It did. I'm not saying you walk away. I wish every story was like this one. Where every demon came out and we were in our right mind. Hey, I still had some struggle things, you know what I'm saying? But make no mistake about it. I was different. I, I was I was different. I loved a man named Jesus that I never knew before. 
there was something different. People have said, you're, you're, you're nuts. You're nuts for Jesus. Yes, I am. I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I love that guy because he changed something in me that needed to change. You will have a desire to leave your old life and to follow the Lord. Dean, your favorite verse, I put it in here just for you, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. You will see things different. You will talk different. You will look different. You will smell. Okay, maybe not. You <laughs> Different. Hallelujah. You become a walking, talking advertisement for Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm going to put a big tattoo right here. It just says, Satan sucks. I actually put one on there once. It was henna. But he does. And people need to know that. And I got a lot of compliments about that. Yeah, we were walking down San Diego, Miss Robin, and I got a henna tattoo right there. I was just feeling kind of crazy. Feeling a little bit peculiar. Which leads me to my last point this morning. God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for you. The man wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus wanted him to go, go to his friends and make a difference. As a matter of fact, verse 19, let's read this again. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Man, don't you know it's not about your agenda? Don't you know that it's not about what you want anymore? What I want, listen, what I want doesn't, if, if I had what I wanted, I'd be sitting in San Diego right now, living, living there, making six figures a year, working one day a week. Come on, somebody. If I got what I wanted, right? I'd own a surfboard shop, and I don't even know how to surf. Come on, somebody. I'd have some jet skis, you know what I mean? I'd have a boat. I'd have a big yacht if I got what I wanted, what my flesh wanted. But you know what drives me way beyond any of that? I want what God wants. I desire the things of God way more than those things. Those things pale today in comparison to my walk with Jesus. I will go anywhere he sends me. If he wanted to send me to Iceland, I'd go with Pastor Stu. We'd be in a little pup tent like this, me and him, just making it happen. Amen? Listen, it's never God's plan for those who save to just sit in the church and do nothing. It's, not God's, it's never God's plan. God's plan is for us to do something with the life that he's now given us. He wants us to carry the message of hope to those that we know. There are thousands of hurting people in this world. That's just such a, that is so inaccurate. There are millions of hurting people that are hurting in this world, many of which only you will have an influence over. I will never meet some of your friends or family, but you do, and they're looking at your life. People who have experienced the very same disappointments that you have, the heartaches, and suffered the very same uh, trials that you have walked through and are on the verge of giving up. Listen, what do I keep telling you? There's just one thing better than going to heaven, taking somebody with you. I really, really believe that. You're already going, but trust me, you want to enjoy this life? Take somebody with you. Focus on somebody else. 
for a while. Focus on the salvation of somebody who's suffering and lost and tormented and, dare I say it, possessed. Oh, we want to shy away from that word possessed. Let's not talk about that. Politically incorrect. That's the problem. We ain't cast them out yet. These people, they need the Lord. They don't need our judgment. They need to hear about the hope that you have experienced through your life change with Jesus Christ. Listen, Revelation says that, that there's power in the blood of the Lamb, but in the word of our testimony is how we become overcomers. Tell people, show people, live it out. But if you say it, you better be living it. Hypocrite. Right? Isn't that what we're called? For It's true sometimes. It's real hard to argue a changed life. Even today, if I tell my story or part of my testimony, what do you got? What do you, what do you got? You going to doubt that that happened in my life? No, I've never been... Never, man, you're a liar. You never drank that much. You never had seven DUIs. You never went to jail all those times. You never went through all those programs. Your, your dad didn't drink himself to death at age 45. Your dad never, he, he told you he loved you all the time. He never, he, you never heard those, you, you did not hear those words from your dad. He told you every day. No, no, I've never had anybody come to me and dispute my testimony. Never. Because it's my life. And especially those who were there and know me today. My mom will tell you the reason she's saved today is because she saw such a change in my life. She said, there's got to be a God. She said that. She said, there has to be a God for you to be like you are today. I was a lost cause, man. People need to see the difference that Jesus has made in your life. That's what makes your witnesses, your witness powerful, the change. Maybe... Maybe you're here today and you're like this man, this demon-possessed man. And life has just been difficult. And you have been shut out and you have been ridiculed. Listen, the very people, listen, I'm not judging my family. I am not saying anything bad against them. They just did not know how to help me. They did not know what to do with me anymore. I had nothing... They tried, they prayed. Many of them are, 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 are pastors. I have two uncles who are pastors. And they prayed and they, and they brought me in and they kicked me out and they, and they had nothing, no idea how to, and that's what's going on here. They just didn't know how to help this guy. I, I bet that when this first happened and they first escorted this man out of the town and they shackled them up and chained them up. I bet it broke their hearts. And what I want to say to you is many of you, if you've been rejected by family, I bet it's breaking their heart. They just haven't known how to help you. But can I tell you, Jesus does. Jesus knows how to help you. And he, he will, re every single relationship I ever had has been reconciled. Every one of them. 
Every relationship I ever destroyed that I thought these people will never trust me and I can't blame them if they don't. Trust me today. They love me. They seem to change in my life. God wants to do that for you too. Would you bow your heads with me? Maybe you're here this morning and you have felt or you feel like this man in our story. You feel lost. You feel broken. You feel abandoned. You feel hopeless. And you would say, Jesus, I need a touch from you. Is that you? Show me your hand if that's you. there one here or more that has never given their life to Jesus? Maybe you did and you just have walked away and you have just done things your own way and today you want a fresh start with him. Are you here this morning? Would you show me your hand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I see your hand, but more importantly, God sees your heart. So let's let's pray this prayer together, then I want to pray over each one of you. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, help me. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for loving me enough to search me out, taking it to the cross. I accept your forgiveness this morning and ask that you would help me to live for you today and every day. Lord, I pray for those who raise their hand that just need a touch. They just need you to speak to their story. I pray for those who have severed relationships this morning. Those that have felt abandoned by their family, their friends, maybe even their co-workers. would touch their lives. That you would change their lives in such a way that if those relationships never were healed again, it wouldn't matter because the relationship with you is firm. But Lord, you are a God of reconciliation. The whole ministry of Jesus Christ is about reconciliation. Reconciling man to the Father and people to so I pray as we leave this place this morning, Lord, that this message, the, the words of the Word of God would resonate in our spirit and encourage us, Lord, to share our love and your love with those who don't know you. Yet. 